Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross Sapp. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Listen, your boy, it is December 11th. We got good lighting now, Jimmy. I have never looked this good on this show. I know. You look like you've been tanning. Right? I Well, I mean, I was in Turks and Caicos, but I, I came That's in. That's a good point. Yeah, I came in here, and I'm looking at this going, what did I miss? Got all this fancy stuff in here now, man. Jimmy finally has a better tan than me. My God. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we're back live, too. We haven't been live in like three weeks. Is that true? Wow. Have we been doing premieres that long? Uh, I think we did two in a row because I was away and then something happened the previous week and I couldn't make it either. Oh, my daughter's birthday. My daughter's birthday was two There ago. you go. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are asking, oh, is this a premiere or is this pre-taped? No, we are live. We now. are live. Yep, we are live. I like uh, this. December 11th. I want to get to a couple of pieces of uh, fightful housekeeping here before we uh, jump into the Food news. Who'd be fire? What was that? Who'd be fire? Ah. Uh... uh Another story for another day. So first and foremost, <laughs> somebody, I think it was during the Q&A. I did a special Q&A for FIFOSelect.com in lieu of missing some list, uh, list goes on episodes on FIFO Select because of the holidays and stuff. So I did a Q&A, and somebody mentioned about, uh, why don't you guys cover boxing and MMA on List on Your Boy? And my answer was, well, because we had the MMA show, and the MMA show covered that stuff. But now that we don't currently have the MMA show, I want to ask you guys, and you can put this on YouTube comments. You can put it in the live chat. Do you want us to cover some more MMA and boxing on Listing Your Boy? High-level stuff. You know, we'll only yeah. talk about, like, major matches and stuff. But if you guys want us to cover it, Sean and I both follow that stuff. I have no problem covering it, so you guys let us know. Well, I don't know if we should just cover the high-level stuff because I don't know if you saw. Alberto versus Tito did like, I don't know, 60,000 downloads for us. <laughs> it's on the list of Jimmy Van this week. We're going to get so to it. stupid. We're going to get to it. Uh, but that's the first thing. The second thing that I want to mention was, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about stupid people. Should it stay? Should it go? Uh, after a while, everything runs its course, right? And so I wondered, is it becoming redundant now? Is it becoming tiresome? I wanted to leave it up to the viewers and listeners of Listen to You Boy. I am not married to it, so I'm not offended if people want to get rid of it. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp did a Twitter poll, and let's start with the results of that Twitter poll. Can you put that up, Camilla? Yep. 
if we had the screenshot. It's around here somewhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I see Nigel standing behind him trying to help him out, trying to find the screenshot. How about we just tell the people what it was? Well, so th I believe it was 39% of, uh, of the people that responded to the Twitter poll said they want us to keep listening, <laughs> boys, stupid people. Then on top of that, uh, I believe 83% of YouTube uh, commenters also said that they want to keep stupid people. That means that for the uh, foreseeable future, we are going to keep stupid you know people what? news. You know what? Oh, look at that. We got the poll. It's, uh, it's a little bit outstretched. That, but, uh, that poll tells me that at least 61% of people want less stupid people. That is true. Some of them said they want it once a month. Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest? Do you suggest that we cut down on stupid people, Sean? Or... I think we keep it around, but maybe either once a month or twice a month, even though once a month got the fewest. Right. Yep. I mean, for me, what it comes down to is you want to make sure that you are not listening to the loud minority, right? Well, I mean, we're listening to 61%. I mean, that's fair. Maybe that's fair. You're, you're listening to the loud minority because only 39% of people say keep it every week. I was only looking and at you know, who Jimmy, won the poll. With anything, I always ask myself, what's the benefit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just had to run that one by you yesterday again. So how, well, about, how about that? I mean, I'm open to whatever. Life for life. Yeah, I'm open to whatever. So if, if you want to cut it down to once a month, we can cut it down to once a month. Oh, they really can't care. hear me. They can't hear me. My audio is off. Really? So y'all probably need to fix that. Okay. Sean's audio needs to be fixed. This is I, We should point out this is Camillo's first time sitting in the chair. Uh, Nigel is behind him. Uh, I might tell Nigel in a few minutes to just jump in the chair. Oh. They they said, oh, they can hear me now. Maybe they can hear me now. Uh, basically, you got to check my audio levels on the OBS software. Yeah, Nigel, check the audio levels on the OBS software, bud, and see if Sean's uh, audio levels are on. Okay, somebody said it was off when you had the screen grab up. Uh, somebody said, I love stupid people. Put it on select. We had it on select, and nobody watched it. Yeah, nobody now, watched now it. granted, that was, I guess, extra ones, and they'd already seen yeah. the three on the live show. We'll figure it, was, it out. The list goes on has done very well for us, though. People love that show. Um, but uh, we do have a super chat. A reminder, guys, donate a super chat. Any amount, get your question or statement read on the air. T. Smitty 3000 says, why is WWE refusing to build up Bobby Lashley for a possible match with Brock? That sounds like me talking to me, Sean. Yeah. Because I've mentioned that several times on the show, that that's what they, sh they should be doing with them. The answer is I don't know. The only thing I can think of is Vince McMahon, because all, it all comes down to Vince McMahon at the end of the day. And I guess Vince McMahon does not see that in Bobby Lashley, maybe because he was there before, maybe because Lashley left uh, on his own accord the first time. And you know how Vince can you know, have spite. Uh, it's Vince McMahon that doesn't see it. And I yeah. fully agree. I think Bobby Lashley, if they built him up, if they licensed some of the Bellator footage, uh, he would be an excellent opponent for Brock Lesnar. And I don't know why they haven't done it. Jimmy, do you understand how insane this weekend is from Friday to Monday? You mentioned it to me a little bit. I know the Covington fights on Saturday, uh, oh, TLC oh. on Sunday. I was talking with Jeremy Lambert and I think Warren Hayes, and we're like, man, Ring of Honor Final Battle might be the fifth biggest show mm -hmm. of that four-day stretch. You got SmackDown Friday, Final Battle Friday, 
Saturday morning, I've got to get up bright and early. My wife graduates. That's pretty cool. But that night, NWA Into the Fire, which has honestly gotten on quite a bit of buzz, like significantly more than ROH, then the UFC show with three title fights, oh, yeah. and Faber fights, oh, and Aldo fights. Then on uh, Sunday, it's WWE TLC. Then we come right back for Raw Monday. It is insane. We're going to have a dumb number of shows this weekend. Uh, we have Warren Hayes covering NWA, and we have former WWE writer Dave Schilling on Sunday with us on TLC again. I think Covington is going to get crushed. What do you think? Me too. Yeah. Me too. I think he's going to get thrashed. Uh, let's move on to the first piece, piece of uh, news today. Again, we're doing this on December 11th. I want to send condolences to the family of Rene Goulet. Uh, it was just announced today by the Cauliflower Alley Club that Rene Goulet passed away at the age of 87. He actually passed away back on May 25th. Isn't that wild? That's and what I, Carlos brought up. He's yeah. like, how often do you hear about something like this a half year later? The only thing I could think of, because he was a longtime WWE backstage employee, and so the mm -hmm. only thing I could think of is that the family wanted it to remain private until now. Otherwise, WWE, I think, for sure would have mentioned it. Uh, he, he was a former WWE tag team champion back when it was the WWWF. With, with Carl Gotch, right? With Carl Gotch. Uh, you knew that because you looked it up. And uh, for a fan like me, excuse me, I, I know the Gotch family. Thank you, thank right. you. I'm well versed. For for a fan like me that became a WWE fan in the mid to late '80s, I remember him as one of the first kind of enhancement talent guys that got offense but always lost. You know, like a Brooklyn Brawler, like an Iron Mike Sharp. That's how I knew Rene Goulet. And then later on, he was a backstage employee. So whenever there was a skirmish, you'd see him out there wearing the sport jacket, and he always had the unique hairstyle and. Uh, he was uh, he was a, a, just a lifer in WWE, and yeah, it's too bad that it took six months for the news to break. You know, eighty yeah, seven is pretty good though. In the mid to late eighties, right, really up until he just stopped, he was working a lot. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, like a lot. Like there are a lot of people that you, you kind of see they they scale it back and they stop. It seemed like he was around all the time. I've had to look through a lot of eighties results and stuff for for research pieces that I've done, but like I. I would notice that his was up there consistently, and I mean, it, it's wild to hear that so long after the fact. Uh, definitely our condolences go out to his friends, fans, and family. For sure, for sure. I want to get to uh, the AEW story, and I know what's going to happen, Sean. The pro AEW fans are going to crap all over this. The pro WWE fans are going to say that we're brilliant. Not ripping on anything. This is completely unbiased. This is just my opinion. I want to talk about what I think are some serious booking concerns currently with AEW. I am not talking about storyline quality, so I don't want people to to misconstrue what I'm saying. This is Jimmy not about hates AEW guys. You should here we go. Yeah, talk trash about AEW. Right, like he says that all the EVPs are morons. People, Sean. Great. People, people are going to believe what you're saying. They should. They're going to believe it. Because as you know, everything that I say and tweet is a report. Is a report, exactly. No, a report. People, everything you just said, people are going to think you're serious. But I want to talk about AEW because, again, I'm seeing some serious booking concerns out of this company. Uh, and, again, nothing to do with storyline quality. 
I want to start by saying this. Do you remember when a guy like Finn Balor started with WWE when he signed with them and they put him on, on the NXT brand? And there were a lot of people online that were critical saying, what are you doing? Finn Balor's a 10-year veteran or whatever he was. Why are you starting him on the NXT brand? The reason they did it, and Triple H was very vocal about this, is because even though Finn Balor had years of experience, he had never done live television before. He had never been involved with a regular television entity like WWE and he had to learn how production works. He had to learn where the cameras are. He had to learn, you know, angles, all that kind of stuff. And that's why they did it. The reason I'm bringing this up is because when they first announced the launch of AEW back in January, Sean knows what one of my major issues was with the company. I was very vocal about it. I thought it was a major mistake to have active wrestlers as EVPs involved with the booking. I thought it was a major mistake. And the other issue that I had was that the guys that they chose to be EVPs were guys that had zero experience when it came to uh, producing a live weekly wrestling television show. I thought those were major issues and major mistakes, especially when the guy that's funding this thing also had zero experience when it came to producing a live weekly wrestling television show. And even Cody Rhodes, I know guys are going to say, well, what do you mean? Cody Rhodes was in WWE. Cody Rhodes was not involved with the production or the creative of WWE Raw or SmackDown on a weekly basis. He was a talent primarily. There, And so I had a major issue with that, and there were two, two reasons I had an issue with it. Number one was I thought it was a conflict of interest, having an active wrestler involved with the booking of other wrestlers, having Cody Rhodes doing interviews, talking about the contracts of other talent, major conflict of interest. And the, and the second issue, again, is the inexperience that those guys had. And now here we are two months later, we're seeing a lot of gaping holes in the booking of, of this product. And I really think that the inexperience with these guys is the reason for it. And I think that these are issues that they need to fix. Otherwise, NXT will overtake them uh, long-term in the ratings. I'm not saying, and, and to quote Paul Heyman, this is not a prediction, this is a spoiler. If they don't fix these issues, NXT will overtake them in the ratings. Uh, and it's a matter of time. And uh, you go ahead and, and talk, and then I'll get into, I, I wrote down four examples or four issues that I have but Sean you can uh give your thoughts first yeah I'll I'll reserve judgment for a while to see how they pivot and adjust and everything I will say that every individual match feels more important on AEW because we know that it matters because they'll make some sense of it based on wins and losses however I do feel the same way about NXT I feel like all their matches matter because even though they don't tell you that wins win loss records matter you know that they kind of do you know that the most pushed people and the most protected people are getting the title shots there and i like that my two main qualms with aew uh traditionally are match times that don't need to go as long as they do uh and well okay three three issues they they build up stars more on dark than they do dynamite you get more storytelling there and my third is you got three acts that are all way too similar. Dark Order, Butcher and the Blade, Brandy Rhodes' Nightmare Family. Nightmare Collective, yeah. Two should go. Two should be different. But I don't know how that Nightmare Family stuff gets through. <clears throat> I don't know how someone doesn't say, hey, that is just like CM Punk, who is a major star. You know, the guy who's had his name chanted for the last, I don't know, probably – 14 years at this point since Survivor Series 06. Right. He's been getting, there's been pretty regular CM Punk chants yeah. in crowds, and it never stopped when he left. He did that already. 
and he did that within the last 10 years on a major stage. Well, let's talk about some of the issues that I think they're having and the mistakes that they're making uh, when it comes to booking. The first one, and this might be the biggest one I have, is they're making the mistake of assuming that their television viewing audience, meaning their TNT viewing audience, also watches Being the Elite and also watches AEW Dark and also follows the AEW Twitter account. Massive, massive mistake that they're making. Cody Rhodes last July was on Busted Open Radio. Uh, during that interview, he said that he hates the term casual fan. He said yeah. that to him, casual fan, and this is a quote, it's vernacular to describe wrestling that is based on the Monday Night Wars. And he said, quote, my focus is always the base that built AEW. All right. So he essentially said he doesn't really believe in the whole concept of the casual viewer. AEW, Sean, on, on TNT, they've had a high of 1.4 million viewers. They've had a low of 663,000 viewers. Are we supposed to believe that 800,000 devote, passionate AEW fans just disappeared one week over the next? Are we supposed to believe that? Because the truth is that's not what's happening. The the truth is they had 1.4 million when they started because they had the curious, casual wrestling fan that heard about the product, wanted to check it out but doesn't watch on a, on a weekly basis for two hours every Wednesday night. That's what a casual viewer is. And if Cody Rhodes thinks they don't have casual viewers, he probably shouldn't be an EVP. The problem they're having is they'll start a storyline on Dynamite, then they'll continue it on being the elite. Then the next week on Dynamite, they progress from there. And if you're a casual fan that doesn't watch being the elite, you don't have a clue what's going on. They had the Butcher and the Blade attack Cody, and they had MGF's promo on their Twitter account explaining who the Butcher and the Blade was. Why on earth would you do that? They do things like this because they're just assuming, oh, our, our viewers are online savvy. Our viewers are watching Being in the Elite. I fall into the category of a viewer that watches Dynamite on TNT. I don't watch Being in the Elite on a, on a weekly basis. I don't watch Dark on a weekly basis. I don't tune into the AEW Twitter account every day. That kind of makes me a casual wrestling viewer by definition. And I guarantee you again that that's why you have 1.4 million viewers one week and 800,000 viewers the next because the casual viewers are coming in and out. TNT has to be their primary vehicle where everything happens. That's got to be where the storylines happen, where the promos happen, because that's where you're going to make your money. You're not, you're not going to make your money on being the elite. You're not going to make your money with dark. TNT is where you're going to make your money. Uh, and they really need to learn to fix that because that's a big problem, I think. I don't see a lot of storylines that get taken over to being the elite. That's more of a parody show. Here and there they do. But on Dark, a lot it happens. Way too much. Yeah. We had Britt Baker telling Jeremy Lambert that she had to fly or didn't have to. She flew herself to Atlanta because she thought that her match with Bea Priestley needed a little bit more something. And she pushed for that and got, got the, the vignette through. And that was the best story they had told for any of the women already before she did that. Right. So I I do agree with you there. As far as the casual fan thing, it's really tough for me to decipher and tell based on the data or lack thereof that I have of who watched. Because we know that about two and a half, three million people watch Raw every week. And I wouldn't imagine a ton of those are casual fans. And it's hard for me to really tell what is a casual fan these days and what do they want? Like, do I believe that there's some giant section of people that are out there saying, you know what? Give me King Corbin. I know you <laughs> hardcores don't like him. Yeah. But give me that. <laughs> I, I tend to believe that the casual fan is reflected by the people who actually watch the show and what they like. I think that that's a pretty good indication. If, if you, if you do something that your audience likes, there's probably a good chance they're going to be like, you know what? 
other people are going to like this too. Because, I mean, it, I, I don't see, like, some great divide there. I know there are a lot of people that are like, well, hardcore fans don't like this Lana, Bobby Lashley thing. Well, I get the feeling that anybody would feel that same way, almost like it's one of those so bad it's good type of things. It's it's just hard for me to decipher because there are so many of these people, and they don't think in a uniform manner. Like, it's, it's just really hard. We don't have an Austin. We don't have a Rock. Yeah. You don't have these larger-than-life names. There's so much to delve into in that regard. Yeah, I mean, to me, again, a casual fan is one that keeps up with the product but doesn't necessarily tune in for two hours every Wednesday night. You all right yeah. there? Did you just spill your drink? Yeah, I almost, I almost did, but I caught it. <laughs> okay, okay. Reflexes, Jimmy. Uh, the second issue that I have uh, right now, and I want to ask you this question. Do they have somebody timing out the show on Wednesday night? Do you know? Oh, they, they have to, but I'll, I'll ask and try to find out who that person is. The reason I'm asking is that there have been times that they will progress a storyline during commercial break. Uh, then after the commercial break, sometimes they don't go back and talk about it. There was the thing with Nyla Rose a couple of weeks ago, uh, and they, it happened during the commercial, and then they didn't really address it afterwards. I see something like that, and I think to myself, they must have mistimed the show because why would you intentionally progress a storyline during commercial break if their mentality is, well, we have picture-in-picture picture and we want people to keep tuned in? Again, that's stupid. If that's they, their they mentality— need to, They need to post all this on their YouTube. Everything that happens during a commercial, they need to post like, like a, a, a compilation video on their YouTube. Like We saw Chris Jericho walking around backstage trashing people. That was funny. What did you think of the Britt Baker spot? I had no issue with it. I, I had no it issue funny. with it. Yeah, and like I, I've talked before about so long is because they are number two. I have no issue with number two taking subtle shots at number one, and I've always said that. So, so I long that was as, so playful, though. It was yeah. just so innocent and playful. So long as it's subtle, I have no problem with it. And again, I know that there were a lot of uh, pro uh, WWE people saying, oh, I can't believe they did that. That's so cheesy. It was a subtle shot. I had no issue yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Uh, the next issue I want to talk about, and I understand what you're saying about, oh, the matches seem important because of uh, wins and losses. It seems to me that with the, with the exception of, say, uh, Jericho, Cody, Moxley, maybe one or two other guys, most of the wrestlers don't seem to have direction. It seems like yeah. mo most of the time they'll be on, say, this week. They'll have a match. They'll, they'll tell you what their win-loss record is. Then you don't see anything for the next couple of weeks. Then three weeks later, they're on TV having a match again. Most of them don't seem to have an angle. Most of them don't seem to have direction. They're there. They're gone. They're there. They're gone. Uh, and again, I can't help but look at that and say, well, your EVPs are active wrestlers. That means that your EVPs, when they get to the TV taping, they got to worry about their own shit. And so they're probably not worrying as much as what everybody else is doing. And I just can't, I, I'm, you know, I'm repetitive, but I think it's a major mistake that they're making. They need to have a booking committee comprised of guys who are not active wrestlers. That's what they need to have. Uh, and so long as you have active wrestlers part of the booking process, you're going to continue to have mistakes like this. And but who, uh, who else would do it? Would it be old wrestlers who maybe don't have their finger on the pulse as much? Uh, how about uh, Vince Russo, Jim Cornette, and Eric Bischoff? That sounds like a <laughs> goddamn nightmare. No, you know what? I mean, I, here's how I look at it. You look at a guy like Chris Jericho, right? 
Jericho is an active wrestler. He does not, you know, say that he's a member of the booking committee or that he's a booker, but he's got stuff to add to the show. Mm-hmm. He's got suggestions to make. Everybody can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe Cody Rhodes is looking at uh, Darby Allen and goes, hey, I have an idea for him tonight. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that having, because I think the way that they, they, they uh, publicly say it is, okay, Tony Khan is the event, is the ultimate um, decision maker, but Cody kind of books the singles guys the young bucks kind of book the tag team guys kenny omega and brandy kind of book the women that's sort of publicly what they've said i just wouldn't have active wrestlers in charge of booking if they want to contribute ideas contribute ideas i would not have them in charge of booking uh and and i I just think it's a big mistake and i think it's something that they need to uh, address and i know some people are going to say some people are going to say well jimmy how do you have a problem with a guy being off tv for two or three weeks when you always talk about the benefit of off, of time off cycles the answer is i'm talking about wwe when guys are overexposed because they've been on tv every week for five years yeah very different this is a situation where they are still establishing these guys and pro aew fans need to understand most people watching on TT, maybe not most, but at least some of the people watching on TNT, they don't know who Kenny Omega is. They don't know who the Young Bucks are. Chris Jericho is the guy they mostly know. Jim Ross is one of the guys they mostly know. A lot of these guys, they don't know who they are. You need to introduce them. You need to establish them. And by having them wrestle one week and then be gone for three weeks, you're not getting the job done. Yeah. And so that's something that they need to address. And then the last thing I was going to talk about is something that you already mentioned, and that's the redundancy uh, three heel stables, like you said, they're kind of the same thing. Uh, and I got to say, and, and I mean this with all due respect, all due respect, if Brandy Rose was not Cody's wife, she would not be in the spot that she's in. She is, Correct. She is not the right fit for the Nightmare Collective. She, she, it's kind of like a, a, a square peg in a round hole. She's not the right fit for that group. She's there because of who her husband is. And again, they need to kind of look at what's best for business as opposed to what's best for my spouse. And she's the thing the right is, fit. I think she, I think she's done really good stuff as their chief brand officer. I think that she's a great speaker in she that, is a good in that regard. Yes, she and is. And the thing is, when she managed Cody, God, she was such an accentuation to his act and added I agree. so much. And there's some things that she can do really well. Um, I'll tell you what's done really well. People sending us super chats. Thank you. Mickle says, just became the 399th Fightful Select subscriber. Yowie, wowie. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get back over that 400 mark. But, Jimmy, you revealed in the Q&A last week, which we can kind of tell people off here. 2020, we're hoping that it's integrated into Fightful.com. Yep, that's something I want to do because uh, Patreon is too limiting. Yes. Uh, it's too limiting in terms of we can't offer trials, we can't offer promo codes. Uh, harder, and the- harder to... Uh, separate our content harder to organize it right it's yeah and there's really nothing we can't do on fightful.com but we had to see if it would work is the thing oh yeah for sure for sure yeah we had to try it out and and i think it's been effective but we're gonna have to get it off of there uh so i'm hoping by the end of uh q1 2020 tim traver says eating apple pie having a diet soda and watching you all well you know what i'm having a diet soda too and i hope you enjoy it while you listen to this clip of me speaking with Ring of Honor World Television Champion Shane Taylor, who defends his championship this Friday against the former Dragon Lee at Ring of Honor Final Battle. Uh, that's, that's everything to me. When I won, well, before that, my goal when I got to Ring of Honor was to be a champion, you know, and 
especially being an African-American male, only two have held singles championships in the history of ROH, one being Kenny King, the other being Jay Lethal. So, and, and being able to have and work with both guys, now it means the world to be able to have my run while they're in their prime and while they're there. Um, and what I want to do is to be able to go down as the greatest Ring of Honor television champion that there's ever been. Um, and that starts not only with the defenses that I've had, but the ones going forward. And you mentioned Jay Lethal's run, which is the target, which is the goal, because um, he has set the standard for what a champion should be in ROH. Now, we're two completely different people, and we go about this sport and this profession two completely different ways. Um, but if I want to change that standard, if I want to be uh, the guy that everybody looks to as the new face of ROH, the new standard bearer for what a champion is, that's the mark that I have to be. Uh, and eventually, that's the guy that I have to be. This will be your 12th title defense over... 13th. Uh, what, uh, 13th. Okay, 13th across... I think maybe roughly seven months as champion, and mm -hmm. you, you've really had a lot over the last, I want to say, three months or so. It's really mm -hmm. like, it seems like almost every other week you're defending that title. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're pushing for, defending your title with, with that regularity? Absolutely. You know, this is the thing. Like I said, I am one of the best and most consistent performers, not just in ROH, but in this entire sport. And damn near everybody who's had their best match has had it with me in ROH. When you look at Bandito or Joe Hendry, Jeff Cobb, like any of the people you want to list, some of their best matches have been when they're across the ring from Shane T. Uh, I elevate everybody that gets into the ring with me. And whether that be, you know, guys like Dan Housen, like, like, like you see on TV, you know, uh, so for me, people are lining up around the block to get a shot at the World Television Championship, and I want them to be able to have it because I want to break that record. They're not lining up around the block to fight Roosh. They're not lining up around the block for any other champion, and there's a reason for that, and that's because they know when they get into the ring with Shane T, the world is watching. Hey. <laughs> Ring of Honor final battle this Friday. Uh, some of you may go, well, are you doing a post-show, Sean? Well, kind of. Warren is on Saturday. He's going to talk NWA into the fire and Ring of Honor final battle because they're running this show at the same time as SmackDown. They probably need to move that uh, in the future. I think that if Ring of Honor wants to do Friday or, or pay-per-views on the weekend, they should probably do them Saturday from now on or I don't know, just not Friday. You're battling SmackDown every single time now, mm -hmm. Jimmy. Yep, yep, definitely a, a losing battle. I want to move on and talk about the, uh, the WWE Saudi deal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and a little, a little wrinkle that came up, and it was reported by Bloomberg.com. So let me first, in case anybody is not familiar with this, the Saudi government came up with an initiative called Vision 2030. Uh, and basically, the purpose of it was to diversify their economy so that they're no, not so reliant on oil. That's why they got to deal with WWE. That's why they brought in the Anthony Joshua boxing match recently. They brought in a bunch of uh, music acts. I think Mariah Carey did, did a show there, whatever. What they want to do is they want to change the way, or at least try to change the way, that they're viewed by the rest of the world. They want to try to show that they're progressive, uh, and they want to try to uh, attract foreign investment as a result. Now, according to the Bloomberg story, and there's a reason why I'm, I'm talking about this, uh, the Saudi prince, Mohammed bin Salman, is unsatisfied with the progress of the initiative. Uh, and Nigel's over here laughing about this. But this is, this is according to the story. He's not happy with the results of the initiative so far. And he's looking to cut, merge, or amend some of the programs that are included in the initiative. The reason I'm telling this story is because the last time WWE was there for Crown Jewel, what happened? There were reports that WWE was owed money by the Saudi government. Uh, the plane was grounded. The ta- most of the talent was grounded for 24 hours. And the day after they got back, they got back most of them on, on the Sunday. On the Monday, WWE issued a press release saying that for the remainder of the deal, instead of having one show a year, which was the original contract, they're going to be doing two shows a year. When I saw this story from Bloomberg, about how the Saudi prince wants to amend programs that are part of this initiative, and we know what happened last time WWE was there. I can't help but question if there's a correlation between these two things. I can't help but wonder if the Saudi prince held back money. And this is just my speculation. I don't have any any proof. But I can't help but wonder if they held back money because they wanted to add a second show and then to flex their muscle, they grounded the plane. And so WWE was like, okay, fine, we'll add a second show. I don't know, I'm man. Not, I'm not saying that at all, and I don't want to be nope. tied to that. I'm I don't want people saying I'm doing that. Nope. But while we're talking about speculation, while we're there, <laughs> if speculation is true, you can say whatever you want about Vince McMahon, but the absolute girth on his nutsack to be like, hey, top three most dangerous guy in the world, give me my fucking money. Ooh, damn. Yeah, I mean— but- the thing is, though, I know business, Jimmy. You're not impressed by that. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> so, the man had someone's head cut off. Jimmy. No, I, I get it. I get it. But I get it. But this is how I look at it. I look at it like uh, Saudi Prince and the Saudi government because of what they're trying to do with this initiative. I feel like if I'm Vince McMahon, if I put myself in Vince McMahon's shoes, my mentality would be: you need me more than I need you. That would be my mentality. Is the money great? You know, you're paying us $40 million a show, whatever. Sure. But I also have these deals with USA and Fox paying me, you know, upwards of a half a billion a year. Yeah. So I don't need you as much as you need me. So if you want me to do these two shows, pay me my money, or I'm not going to air the show on television locally, and I'm not coming back. There's nothing well, I mean, wrong with that. What's he going to do? Is he going to is he going to bomb their plane? No, he's not going to do that. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's the same with, like, any agreement. Like, look at – the baseball contracts being handed out. Like the Yankees aren't going to go to Garrett Cole and be like, ah, you know what? I know we came to this, this deal, but instead of like 35 million a year, we, we think we should probably just give you 12 million a year. 
Like I that, mean, that ain't the way it works. It's, yeah. a, it's a little different when you're dealing with the Saudi government as opposed well, to dealing with a Major League Baseball player. Yeah. But at the same time, like I said, if again, if I miss a man, I feel like you you need me more than I need you. And so I wouldn't have had a problem demanding my money. I will say this, though. When they get to year nine of that deal, if I'm Vince, I'm being a little bit smarter about things. Because yeah. when, when the deal's coming to a close, especially if he's not intending to renew or if they're not intending to renew him – now you got to be smart about about the situation you're putting your talent in. But they're they're still in the honeymoon phase of this thing, and so if I was Vince, I would have done the same thing. I would have demanded the money too. Yeah, you know. So uh, let's talk about the releases that happened. Okay. Luke, Luke Harper got his release. The Ascension got the release. Sin Cara got his release. We know that all of them had asked for it. Uh, have you heard anything? Because uh, you know, are there any more releases coming down the pipe? Have you heard anything? I heard rumors that there were NXT releases being discussed for January or February. I was told there were a possible number of variables that could go into that. I that you know, I'm not equipped to really address, but based on on quarterly numbers and and a lot of stuff for the future, like. Um, but the thing is. The NXT roster is bloated, mm-hmm. and they, they're, they're running out of locker space. I mean, I can't remember how far back, but somebody had told me that Kushida didn't even have a locker yet, and I'm like, that's the kind of guy who should probably just have one as right. soon as you sign him. But yeah, I've, I've heard that more from NXT could be coming. Mike Kanellis is still under contract, from what I understand. A lot of people asking what's up with Matt Hardy. He's still under contract until the beginning of March. That's that's what I've heard, and and the people that I talk to within WWE all seem happy for Harper, Sinkara, and the Ascension. Seems like they all wanted it. The Ascension had not been on WWE TV since the beginning of April. Yeah, a lot of people asking where do you think they'll go next. I think the Ascension will probably get like one-off opportunities in like NWA and MLW and stuff like that. But there were a lot of people that were like, "Oh man, they abused the Ascension." I'm like, "No, they didn't. They tried to push them." Upon arrival, they beat New Day and the New Age Outlaws and Goldust and Stardust and Miz and Mizdow and the primetime players. Just because of that JBL promo doesn't mean that they were dead in the water. They ruled over a very thin NXT tag team division. Yeah. Jimmy, do you remember when they had to bring in two cool to face the Ascension it on was, a takeover? It was big news at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was not a like blossoming tag division. Luke Harper is going to work anywhere he damn well pleases. I agree. I agree. Anywhere. And he wanted out, and I was told by people that had worked with him, it seemed like Vince McMahon had his mind made up on him a long time ago. Sin Cara, it would shock me if he didn't fight for Combate Americas next year. That, that was actually on my list. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but I want to I address the Ascension thing first. So in the past, I've used the analogy of Dancing Homer. Uh, and if you're a Simpsons fan, you know what I'm talking about. Dancing Homer, it was a, a character Homer Simpson did where he he was uh, the mascot for the minor league baseball team. He was a big success for the minor league team. He got called up to the majors, and when he did his act in front of the major league crowd, they crapped all over him uh, because the act didn't work in front of that audience, and he ended up back down in the minors. The reason I'm mentioning that is there are certain guys who, when they got called up from NXT, you could kind of see almost right out of the shoot that it wasn't going to work. Uh, I know with Bo Dallas, when he started on the main roster, I didn't see how that was going to work with the Bo Leaf thing. Uh, when Adam Rose was called up doing the dancing around the ring, I didn't understand how that was going to work on the main roster. And the Ascension was another one where I saw these two guys, especially Victor, 
who, you know, Victor's not the biggest guy out there acting like Road Warrior Hawk. I didn't see how that was going to work on the main roster. And and uh, and none of them worked. None of them were, were grasped by the fans of the main roster. To me, again, it was a dancing homer analogy. Not everything is going to work on the big stage that works in NXT. And that was kind of what happened with that. Speaking of Sin Cara, I couldn't help but be amused by the visual, Sean. There is Alberto Del Rio. They called him Alberto uh, El Patron, but at least on one occasion they oh. said, at least on one occasion they used the name Alberto Del Rio on the air. But there he is at ringside getting ready to get into the cage against Tito Ortiz. Sin Cara in his mask is in his corner. Uh, two or three guys from AAA in their mask was in his corner. And I was thinking the same thing that you just suggested. When I saw Sin Cara in Alberto Del Rio's corner, is he going to fight for Combate Americas? What kind of a background does he have? He fights people backstage a lot. <laughs> Which, uh, let's be honest, even though... I- you know, a lot of people made jokes about Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio had an MMA background, but a lot of people thought that thought a lot more of that than they should have. He had an MMA career, and he was all right, but he didn't beat anybody high level. But he was a very, very, very good Greco-Roman wrestler. Almost went to the Olympics in, I think, 2000, and almost landed a takedown on Tito. They both Early, went yeah. face down, but Tito is a more adept grappler. You have Thunder Rosa who has started to train MMA. You've got Sexy Star, who had a boxing background and trained MMA. And she won. And she won. It's a payday. I mean, Combate Americas, quite frankly, is the number two MMA promotion in the world right now. Like, they, they blow Bellator out of the water in TV viewership. And I guarantee to you this, there is no live Bellator show that I've done, I just checked the numbers again, that did 70,000 viewers or uh, downloads like this Tito Alberto show. Though, if you slapped a Bellator logo on that same fight, it would do the same amount of numbers. But Combate are the ones that made it happen. Combate got more buzz for Tito Ortiz fighting Alberto Del Rio than Golden Boy did for Tito fighting Chuck Liddell. That's true. And that's saying something. That's impressive, and that's good. Combate is doing a lot of smart stuff. They have a lot of hardworking people in their PR department. I know because I get their emails every damn day, whether I want to or not. But they, they got a lot of people working really hard. I think they'll bring Sinkara over. They'll capitalize on that and especially uh, continue with that market. Problem is, is that he can't, he can't fight with a mask on. I mean, can he? I don't – well, not in America. I don't think he can. No. There, there are some places in the States where you can fight with a rash guard on. Yeah. Locally, there's a guy who does that, but the, the commission will warn you, like – if you wear that, it can be used against you. You can be choked with it. It can be pulled over your head, and they yeah. can, like, hockey punch you. Well, there was that so, one fight. There was the one fight where the girl, after the first round, she was wearing, like, a sports bra. And after the first round, she went back out for the second in a rash guard. And and mm-hmm. even even the commentators were like, uh, is this legal? Like, can she legally yeah. do that? You know? But, I mean, I guess all I'm going to say is Alberto, when he got thrashed by Mirko Krokop, he was wearing the Dos Caras mask. So, yeah, I guess in theory, maybe Sin Cara can do something similar. I don't know. I guess yeah. we'll see what happens with that one. Um, WWE suspensions on December 10th. WWE posted this on their Twitter account. Camilla, do you have the screenshot from uh, from that one? There you go. WWE has suspended Robert Roode and Eddie Cologne Primo each for 30 days, effective immediately for a first violation of the company's talent wellness policy. 
All I'm going to say, Sean, all I'm going to say, I've known Bobby Roode a long time. I've known him like 20 years. Uh, he's going to be 43 next year. Physically, he looks a lot better now than he did then. That's all I'm going to say, Sean. So you want to say hey, anything? If if it looks too good to be true, usually it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, and, that's all you got to say, too? And by the way, when you go to our Fightful Wrestling Resources section, we now have an ongoing list of former wellness suspensions. I put it together this week. So go there, Fightful.com, resources section. Get your TV ratings, your injuries, your contract updates. All that good stuff. How did they even get around to testing Primo when they're not using him? Did they call him into a show just to test him? You've seen the movie Friday, right? Long time ago. I made a joke uh, that Smokey said to him, how are you going to get popped for a drug test on your year off? Right, right. It's not like USADA. It's not like they're going to climb up the fire escape, you know? (laughs) Okay, let's go to stupid people. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. And the new segment we came up with is Stupid People. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. Okay, so we might cut down on this like we talked about. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do it the first show of every month. Sean and I will figure something out. <laughs> yeah. Once again, I got some good ones. I think Sean has probably heard of the second one because it, it, it went uh, viral. But let's get this started. This first one reported by CNN.com on December 9. There is a hotel reviewer called uh, Wellness Heaven. They surveyed over 1,100 hotels, including 634 four-star hotels and 523 five-star hotels to determine what items are stolen the most. Oh, boy. Of the five-star hotel, Sean, and again, keep in mind that they surveyed 523 five-star hotels. Of those five-star hotels, there was one particular item that was stolen almost 10% of the time. By the hotel surveyed. What item was it, Sean? Bathrobes. The mattress. What? I love Nigel's reaction. I love Nigel's reaction. What? How, man? Uh, so they interviewed the hoteliers. Nigel's going to lose his shit. They interviewed the hoteliers, and what they said was they have surveillance of people at night, in the middle of the night when reception is closed, taking the thing off the elevator and taking it outside, putting it on the back of a truck and taking off. Almost 10% of the five-star hotels have had a mattress stolen. Wow, man. I mean, we're not talking about a day's in. We're talking like four seasons. People are stealing the mattresses. They say, how? I just want to know how they get it out of there. Well, I just, I just told you. They'd wait until it's like the middle of the night, reception's closed, and they just, even though there's yeah, surveillance... But- you know the they main thing. They get caught. They gotta get caught. Well, here's the thing that I don't understand. They make you put. They make you put down your credit card for incidentals. Exactly. So aren't they gonna just bill you anyway? Probably. You know? They also Man. said other items typically stolen from five star places include the TVs and the tablets. Yeah. And from four star places, they tend to steal batteries and coffee makers. The yeah, mattress, I could see Nigel. Coffee makers. So coffee makers are re- pretty cheap. 
Well, I guess they want it for free because yeah, people are stealing them. Yeah, but but like something like 50 mattresses were stolen from 523 hotels. So good for people. This next one, reported by the Miami Herald on December 4. I think you heard about this one. There was an art fair uh, called Art Basel Miami Beach. Uh, various galleries had booths there showing off their latest art mm-hmm. that was available for sale. Uh, one of the booths was from an art gallery called Periton Art Gallery. I'm not an art enthusiast, so I didn't know who they were, but they're a major art gallery. They've got uh, locations around the world. There was a certain piece of work that got a lot of attention that was on display at the Periton Art Gallery booth. They had three copies available of this uh, piece of work for a price tag of $120,000 U.S. each. Sean, do you know what that art was? Banana duct tape to a wall. Banana duct tape to a wall. We have a picture. Can you put that picture up? So this gentleman, his name is Emmanuel uh, Paradin. He is the owner of the Paradin Art Gallery. Why? He, why does his head look photoshopped right there? I don't know, but that's that's a real photo. <laughs> uh, this is real. So there is a renowned Italian artist named Mauricio Catalan. Uh, that produced this. They call this Comedian. That's the name of it. It's called Comedian. It is a banana duct taped to a wall. They sold the first two, Sean, at a price of $120,000 U.S. dollars. So he raised the price. This uh, this gallery owner raised the price of the third one to $150,000 U.S., uh, apparently, it comes with a certificate of authenticity, and that's where the value is because this artist is a renowned artist. And you probably heard about this story because after they sold the first two and they only had one left, some guy went up there, took the banana off the wall, and ate it. <laughs> <laughs> they said that that did not impact the integrity or value of the piece. They just put up a new banana, and they said that whoever— <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> integrity. Yep. Oh, and and they uh, said and they said that whoever buys the piece, uh, you can just put up a new banana whenever uh, the banana that you have up there dies. I am not an art guy, Sean, and I don't you know appreciate it. But I don't care if you are a multi billionaire. I don't care if you are Bill Gates. Why would you spend one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for a banana duct tape to a wall? Can you possibly explain that to me? Well, fortunately for you guys, I don't know if it's going to be up on shop.fightful.com. But I'm going to cut you a deal. For just (laughs) $1,000, I will give you a DIY kit. Uh, Not not only that, $1,000, and how about this? I'll make sure the banana never rots. That's right. You will get a decor banana to go with this. $1,000. It is just – it is such a deal. We're talking like less than 1%. Like this is a ninety nine point five percent off deal, Jimmy. I thought you At were gonna. Was, I thought you were gonna say the banana will never rot because you're gonna stuff blue chew in it or something. It's <laughs> not what I'm saying, Jimmy. All right, Sean. This last one is for the SRS file, reported by the New York Post on December third. So there's a new toy that's topping the wish list of a lot of kids oh. this holiday season. What's Sean, that? what do you think that toy is? Um, the Furby butt plug. It is the Fart Launcher 3000. Here's I a, wasn't that far off. Here's a clip of the commercial. Play the commercial clip. Butt heads, their heads are butt. Introducing the Fart Launcher 3000. 
havoc. Wreak havoc by launching real fart smells. Load the canister, pull back, and let her rip. Oh, this can really clear a room. <laughs> wow, it's kind of weird that they just took your nickname without even asking you. Uh-huh, yeah. It's made by a company called Wowie. No affiliation with Bray Wyatt. Uh, and the same company, you saw the beginning of that commercial, it said butt heads, their heads are butts. They make an action figure line where their faces are the shape of a butt. Uh, they have such names as Robutt the Robot, the Grim Ripper, Tushy the Ninja, and Sir Flush-a-Lot the Knight. And that is a real <laughs> item. <laughs> I love the Grim Ripper. Real item, real commercial, the Fart Launcher 3000. I'm sure your kid's going to want it, so go out there and get it for him, Sean. That's amazing. So after this, after this, we're going to do uh, – the list goes on. We're going to talk about uh, WWE Backstage. That happened uh, this week. We are going to talk about – let's see. We're going to talk about uh, WWE Creative Good and Bad. I have a couple of points about that. We're going to talk about Andrade, Teddy Hart, Will Brooks, uh, and Arissa LeBrock. We're going to talk about them. Yes, but sure. a couple more things I want to talk about. So first and foremost, uh, the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame. They have announced that Dave Batista and the NWO are going to be inducted. Uh, for the NWO, they've listed Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and X-Pac. Uh, two comments about this. Comment number one is I really think they need to limit the number of acts to five meaning that they've already announced two. They should only announce three more. I'm sure they're going to do seven or eight again like they always do. Yeah. They really got to be smart about it. The show is too long. Everybody gets tired. Uh, they need to, lim- to just limit it to five. They just, and not only that, but they're going to run out if they keep on doing seven or eight a year. I don't think they'll run out. Well, they no, got, there's so many. They won't run out, but in terms of your main event headliner, eventually they, got- eventually they will, I think. I think they got well. If they, I don't know why they did NBO and Batista both this year, but I mean, they, there's a lot, man, that people don't even realize. Like, well, it's, it's. I think it's too many. I think it's too long of a night. And here's the other question: Hogan, Hall, Nash, X Pac. Mm-hmm. What about Big Show? What about Bischoff? Because he was I one of the founding guys. I think they're saving Big Show for his actual induction. Okay, which is weird. They shouldn't. Last year they should have put. Bulldog Owen uh, and Pillman in with the Heart Foundation because, you know, the thing is, there are a lot of times they they don't want to put deceased people in like that. That would have been an easy way to do it. But they also they also did Hunter. They did Hunter with DX first before he was on his own. That's a very good point. You know, Sean Waltman was like, I think Bischoff should be in. Sean Waltman said he felt bad that Bischoff wasn't in. He was like, Vincent should be in it too. He was there. He was one of our guys. He should be in there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about Vincent, but I think Bischoff should be for sure. And the thing is, is they parted on amicable terms. Bischoff, in every interview he's done, he's been nothing but uh, uh, positive and polite about the whole experience. So I don't think there's any hard feelings there. I think Bischoff should absolutely be in. I agree with you on that. So Yeah. Uh, WWE TLC. What are we at now? Seven matches that they've announced, Sean? Isn't this no a singles title matches? Not one. So it's confirmed that The Fiend, The Miz, is not a universal title match? I mean, they have not announced it, and it's not The Fiend. It's Bray Wyatt. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they specific- See, I missed that. So it's going to be Bray Wyatt and The Miz. That's why you pay me the mediocre bucks, Jimmy. 
<laughs> so they've also announced uh, Roman Reigns against Baron Corbin in a TLC match that nobody wants to see. Uh, yes. They've announced uh, the Kabuki Warriors against Becky and Charlotte for the women's titles. That should be fun. Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy, they're trying, but I just don't think it's clicking. Uh, Bobby Lashley, Rusev, and a tables match nobody cares about. The Viking Raiders are going to issue an open challenge. That should be fun, so long as it's you know a, a, de- a decent, challenging team. That should be fun. And uh, the New Day against the Revival for the SmackDown Tag Titles. Those you are the know, matches announced so far. And I'm, do you think Randy Orton AJ gets, gets added because they keep on teasing something yeah, there pro- again? Probably, probably, but... Eh, it'll it'll be an okay show. It'll be a fine show. Yeah, it's it's nothing that I really need to go out of my way to see. Yeah, but it's there. And then since we're doing this on December 11, AEW Dynamite tonight, uh, a street fight between the Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz. Even though every Young Bucks match feels like a street fight because there are no rules. No but rules. They're having that. Uh, Butcher and the Blade against Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. And I had never heard of QT Marshall. Who is QT he, Marshall? He works backstage for them. Um, He's he also does does enhancement work for them. Okay, but he's been I don't want to say a right hand man, but kind of a right hand man. But okay, I mean I know the story is that Cody's letting them pick the partner, so that you know that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been around quite a bit. Uh, he did a lot of stuff for Ring of Honor and for the Monster Factory and a lot of stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been around. NXT on USA tonight, Sean. Nothing against the matches that've been announced for AEW. But they cannot compete with this. Number one contender match for the NXT title, triple threat, Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Finn Balor. On paper, that is one hell of a matchup. Oh, yeah. One hell of a matchup. The next two weeks of these shows, oh, boy, especially next week. (laughs) Jeez, next week. I think Nigel loved it that you almost had an orgasm. You really liked that I, one. Almost, I did. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to isolate that clip, Camillo, because I'm gonna use that sometime. Yeah. Uh, they're also doing yeah, Camillo. You do it. Leo Rush, Angel Garza for the cruiserweight title, and I, I think you said this on the post Raw show, and I agree with you on this. You said if Angel Garza was bigger, would he be in Humberto's spot? I think that is a fair point to make. Angel Garza, with all due respect to Humberto Carrillo, has way more charisma, way more charisma than Humberto Carrillo does. But it just so happens that Humberto's six one, and Angel Garza's what five seven, five eight. He's like. He- build it five nine but yeah the f- funny thing is they're cousins yeah and i'm like man you, why didn't you just put them together yeah they could have done that too together garza could just teach him yeah on the road garza is so good very He's charismatic so too very like charismatic. i i love him and leo rush they are great in the ring they are very charismatic they can talk they they just get it mm-hmm. and uh even leo rush's wife has helped the storyline get better her reaction and them playing into all that, I love it. I know it seems like I'm like bagging on Carrillo an awful lot. I just don't see it. There's nothing that makes me care about him, especially when he's supposed to be this amazing like in-ring worker, and I go in, and he does his Aztec splash, and his ankles slam into the mat before he ever hits anybody. It's His moves don't make sense most of the time. You got Andrade sitting on the outside waiting for him for like a like 20 seconds for him to jump on the rope, then jump on the buckle, then jump on the post, then jump off of that. It's not good. Can it be good? Yeah, I'm sure it could be good, but it's just not good to me right now. I mean, part of the problem is that is how they presented him. 
because not only did they have him out there yep. wearing the Power Ranger costume, not only did they have him out there getting his ass kicked every week when they first brought him in, but English is his second language, and they got him out there doing promos. It feels like every week they're interviewing this guy on live television. And it doesn't Why help when he's you... like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Check exactly. out my dimples, man. You know what I honestly question, Sean? I question if Vince McMahon feels almost like he's pressured to, to get new stars on the show. And so because he doesn't see anything in these guys, he intentionally gives them a live mic so that they can fuck themselves. And I question if he doesn't. And, and Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, I always talk about what a talent he is and how they wasted him. His second week on SmackDown when they called him up, they did, had him do a live promo in the ring. And I remember watching that thinking, what are you doing, man? Putting Shinsuke Nakamura in the ring for a live promo when that is his obvious weakness. I can't yeah. help but wonder if this man did that intentionally because he wanted him to bury himself so that he wouldn't have to push him. I, I question if that's, that's what yeah. happened. You know? I agree. That's all I got well, guys, for you. Leave a thumbs up, guys. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We're hovering around that 400-ish area. But, man, we got so much stuff for you guys over there. Alex Pawlowski does Raw and SmackDown reviews. Every single week, uh, we're running those live now. Every week, I do the backstage report. I'm giving you all backstage exclusive info every single week. We got contract updates, injury updates, and stats on that show as well. We've got the Weekender podcast. Maybe you're looking for uh, more coverage of Impact, ROH, uh, New Japan, Beyond, NXT UK. We got that every single week. This month, we have three different Q&A shows. We've got, uh, we did like an hour with Jimmy. We split that into two, so that'll be up there. I, I'm actually doing two, so you got four uh, overall this month. Uh, we do retro reviews every single month, and of course, you get that exclusive news, and a lot of times, one of the things people say they love, it comes straight to you. You can turn on your preferences. It'll go to your inbox, your phone, whatever you whatever you want there. That's the most direct way to support us, but hey, we're here all weekend. Leave a comment, thumbs up, subscribe. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.